Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode of the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast, I feature Hiba Shabazz. Born in Pakistan and Brooklyn-based, she's a figurative painter who works primarily with paper, black tea, and water-based pigments. Her subjects, largely drawn from her lifelong practice of self-portraiture, inhibit a dreamlike all-female world. She initially trained in Indo-Persian miniature painting at Lahore's National College of Arts and later earned a master's in painting from Pratt Institute in New York. Her work addresses issues of personal freedom, destruction, sexuality, and censorship by unveiling the beauty, fragility, and strength of the female form. Her solo shows include the Debuck Gallery in 2020, Spring Break in 2018, and Project for Empty Space in 2017. She has participated in numerous group exhibitions, including art fairs such as Pulse, Untitled, Art Fair Cologne, and Vienna Fair. Her work is currently featured at 75 Rockefeller Center in New York City during the third year of the Art in Focus Public Art Program that was announced on January 11th by the Rockefeller Center and Art Production Fund. The installation will be on view through May 4th. Hiba has been in several residency programs, she's been written about in various publications, and she has curated painting exhibitions in Pakistan and India. Please welcome Hiba Shabazz to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome, Hiba. I'm so excited to feature you on my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Thank you. So happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, and this is so timely because you just um, you have currently have an installation at the Rockefeller Center. But before we dive into what's going on now in your life, Let's chat about when in your life did you recognize that you're an artist? Um, I would say pretty early. I was uh, expressing myself with drawing and painting ever since I was uh, a girl. And um, I think my my mom tells the story how they were taking me to my my kindergarten interview because we have those. And she really prepared me really well for what to say. But when I got to the principal's office, I sat there silently, refused to say a word, (laughs) and then copied the puzzle, which was lying on her table, exactly with crayons on a paper and just sat there and stared at her. And they took me in. So (laughs) I guess (laughs) I guess I started young. That's great. 
That's great. Were you, do you recall if you were influenced by any particular style of art or period of art? Um, like later, not when you were in kindergarten. You know, definitely, yes. Uh, well, f- I guess my first influences were probably my parents because they were both creative in a way. Uh, my, my father and mother both know how to paint, although they didn't pursue it. And um, my dad worked in television as a set designer. And I wasn't really supposed to become an artist. I was supposed to become a doctor. Um, And then later on, um, I just learned a lot through school. I used to read about like Michelangelo and Vincent van Gogh and all the big master artists. And then when I started actually studying it, because I had my I did my undergrad degree in Lahore back home. I studied Indo-Persian miniature painting. So I think as, as a result of really being immersed in that, that is, is probably my strongest influence art historically. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And your art, you create fairly large bodies of work, right? Well, actually, both large and small, but life-size. Yes. So I only worked very, very small for a very long time. Um, I guess having studied miniature and I used to feel a lot of pressure to carry on the tradition. And so I was immersed in just making small paintings for a really long time. But when I changed the scale, they became life-size and Mm -hmm. sort of more muralish. So there was really no in-between. I'm still trying the in-between, you know, (laughs) but I haven't really gotten there yet. Well, your current, let's talk about Rockefeller Center now. It's a 125-foot-long mural. I mean, that's fairly big. Yes. So, well, with, with the Rockefeller Center, the way they structure their program is um, they do this uh, art in focus with art production fund where uh, they work with an artist who takes over, I think it's all their ad spaces, not all of them, but a bunch of them. And then they have a few windows where you install original art. So I did do a mural for that space. I didn't paint that at that scale because, you know, the commission, like we don't have, I didn't have enough time to um, paint at that scale. And plus the work for the ad spaces is all printed and then installed. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I painted it so that it came together as a 125 foot mural Although even in that, the normally my figures are at least my my height. Like I'm I'm five two, so that doesn't doesn't say a lot. But um, <laughs> they're at least or or they're larger than me. Um, and over here, the width of the mural was maybe sixty inches, so the figures were definitely smaller than me. So this was actually, I think, where whereas it comes to the scale of the figure, it was me trying to not paint life size. It was me trying to paint a little bit medium, but the scale of the project was very large. I'm very curious about your use of materials and the layering. Can you comment on that? 
Yes. So primarily, I have been working on on paper. Um, as a miniaturist, I learned how to make my own papers and paints and brushes, and so I'm I'm like very involved with a more I don't know I don't know what to call it really, but more handmade way of of working, hmm. and like I've I'm kind of used to being involved with all the details of making a painting, like making the paint myself and um, yeah, all of that. So when I, when the scale of the work expanded, I started uh, using also handmade paper, but not, not paper that I was making, but paper that's made. Um, there are two, two different kinds. One is made in India by a, by a much older man and one is made um in indiana (laughs) oh really something (laughs) oh that was that was like no pun intended Um, (laughs) yeah so um at at a farm and uh, i use those and i do um i like to i do layer my paints a lot I work with watercolor. I work a lot with tea and I work a lot with transparent surfaces and layer them to make them opaque. Um, so that's part of my process. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. It's lovely. I hope people stop by. New Yorkers can stop by and, and see um, In My Heart, In the Heart of New York City. Um, Thank you. I stole that from the White Wall article that was written about you on, on February 2nd. Um, can you comment on why, what it inspires you to include elements of uh, Mother Nature, animals? Yeah, I, I think even though I kind of grew up in a big city, big overcrowded city, and now I live in one, not <laughs> so crowded right now, though, but, you know, normally, um, I think I'm always very, very drawn to nature. And... I love animals. I think if I wasn't an artist, I would want to work, (laughs) you know, in like an elephant orphanage or like with pandas or like just somewhere completely wild and free, immersed in nature. Um, There's still time, right? Yes, yes, because I still, I have that same desire and I don't know if I'll ever do it, but yes. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm I'm glad. I'm glad to hear this. (laughs) Yeah. So, so yeah, um, I think, uh, I think I just, I really love animals and nature and I feel, I feel drawn to them. I, I, I dream about them. I meditate, I like it when I'm meditating, I think of animals. Um, and I, I feel like a need to be more connected to nature, although I'm not, um, especially during this time when we've kind of been stuck at home. It's been, there was this one day when I waited for the bar opposite the studio to wash their sidewalk so I could just go stand there barefoot (laughs) in the middle of Bushwick because I was so, so desperate to feel the ground under my feet. Um, so yeah, it's getting, it's getting, it's been bad at, at times this year. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like to paint those things, you know, for myself in the studio and 
it makes me happy. What do you enjoy most about being a visual artist? Um, well, I love the creating part um, the most. I love just being involved in making and painting and, you know, being in a space where I can freely express myself. Um, I think I've always been kind of mediocre at best with words and uh, always been a little more hermetic. And so art has given me a space for self-expression, which I maybe wouldn't have had otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, art saves us. It did. And how has COVID impacted your practice? Um, I feel like COVID has been has been interesting um other than you know of course all the 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 change of you know initially i was working from home and um rescheduling stuff and all of that i felt like uh, definitely there was an emotional shift as well in the way that normally, you know, the studio is so full of visitors all the time and the art world is so overflowing and it's, it can be hard though. Like it can be hard to, if you need a lot of alone time or if you need time to create, it can be hard to claim your own space, even if you work for yourself. And so I always struggle with that, but I think in COVID, I became so aware of everyone around me and their emotions and the feelings kind of running through the city that I think I maybe became less completely self-absorbed and <laughs> tried to make more of an effort to to work with the art in a way which was more connecting with other people as opposed to just painting for myself. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and so do you take into consideration your audience when you're creating? You know, um, not always, to be honest. It's, um, I have recently, like, especially for the Rockefeller project, I feel like I, I made that very specifically for people and the city. And so the intention in that was to to uh, give something beautiful to the city. But normally in my own work uh, before this year, I am not all, I have not always been um, taking into consideration my audience. I mean, I guess I, I come from a very conservative uh, country, like in very traditional upbringing. And so I could never really show my work back home, but, um, but I could never change it. <laughs> you know, I always kind of had to do what I had to do. And I think that part of me, I, even when I moved here, I, I still felt like I need to honor, honor my process before letting other people tell me what to do. Yep. <laughs> totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. It can backfire. You know, it's like, I, I do feel like a certain sense of, um, maybe grace this year that I have been able to kind of get out of my own rebellious headspace and be like, okay, what do other people need right now? And, you know, art 
is also a way to communicate and to connect and to, I've definitely become more aware of the power and our need like for connection. Um, So I think maybe that'll, that might shift the way I work in the long run. Like I feel like it's too soon to say. Well, that's, that's good. You're considering it. And with your current um, installation, you're, you're working with children. Yeah, so at Rockefeller Center, the first part of the show that I installed was In My Heart, and that was uh, just my work. And then the part which went up a couple of days ago is this really sweet installation um, called Someone I Love. Oh, that's and, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Just in time for Valentine's Day, right? I know, right? <laughs> So you, you read my mind. <laughs> uh, so I did a workshop with uh, like a live stream workshop um, with kids like all over the world. And we we wanted to paint portraits of, of people we love. So and then they sent their work or they dropped it off if they were in New York or they DM'd photos. And so we collected their artwork and we wanted to create a collaboration between their work and my work. And this was, uh, this is like a public art program, which was, which was initiated by Art Production Fund and Fort Gansevoort uh, to kind of instill confidence and creativity in young artists. So it was sort of a way to, um, again, to, to be more community oriented and I had no idea what it was going to look like. So <laughs> it took like 16 hours to install. And when I left, it was 3am and snowing and I couldn't think like, I couldn't even see straight. So I, I went back to see it yesterday <laughs> and uh, it was fun. Cause one of the, one of the kids who was Amalia, she's a, a young artist in New York and she's applying to an art high school and uh, she's building her portfolio and she came with her mom to see it at the same time I was there and some other parents sent photos of their kids so it's just like really lovely to see to see that that interaction um, I don't know about you but I did a lot of reading this this last year and um, I was reading this book. I was reading this book by this author, Brené Brown, and she was talking about how creativity is like it's in all of us. It's not just in people who are artists or musicians or writers or involved with art it's in like all humans and depending on how it's um, how we're treated as, as children and in school, we become either comfortable with it later or uncomfortable with it. And that adults who are creative are at much, are much happier and at, at much less, less risk for depression. So I thought that was really kind of interesting that actually we are all artists. Mm-hmm. It's just that 
all of us were not encouraged to to be creative. Yes, and and in creativity, it comes in so many different forms. You know, mm-hmm. the person that's designing clothes or uh, uh, decorating a home or um, floral arrangements. Hundred percent. Yes, yes. So I think it, a lot of us we don't even realize that we are being creative when when indeed we are. Yeah. But I know that being around creatives and observing and talking to all of you is is, uh, is also very important uh, for a lot of us, just to be able to connect, you know. So on that note, what do you feel is the purpose of art? After reading the book and thinking about it, what is the purpose of art? Oh, um, that's a hard question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, there are... I mean, I, I suppose there's like the purpose to the artist, which is, which is to express. I think some people, like whether they're composing music or writing, they, their natural instinct is to express. But I also think we're so connected as people that when we express, we're not always just expressing for ourselves. We're, we're expressing for maybe a whole group of people or a whole moment in history. Um, I think over time art has been like utilized functionally sometimes as in in Indo-Persian miniature painting, it was used as a documentation, like a historical documentation kind of um, paintings were a narrative for art history and what was going on in that moment. And it was used to illustrate epic poems and things like that. And it has so many, um, in a way, different different functions. But I think also, I think also it helps us come together in a way and transcend our boundaries like a kid in in Karachi Pakistan you know is reading a book on Van Gogh and then she ends up in New York and is painting it's like it's such a classic way that that we learn about different cultures and uh, different people and uh, we see art from different parts of the world just like we experience music and and film and I think these are all things that like connect connect us in a more kind of global global way um, beyond like our kind of immediate sort of groupings a little bit so I like that part of it I like the storytelling part of it too like the more people I've had over over at the studio and Normally I have a lot of women who visit me. They tell me their stories and I kind of realize how we're all so similar, even though we all come from such different backgrounds. We have so many things in common, just being women and being part of like this experience of life at this time. And I think art like bridges a lot of those, bridges the separation that, we can sometimes feel with each other or within ourselves. And, and on the note of, of women, can you comment on the female gaze that's uh, depicted in your work? 
So I guess I I paint I paint women from a woman's perspective. And so the way I see them is probably very different from how um from the male gaze. And I think I'm I'm much more interested in in the like the emotional life of women and their inner life and how how to reflect that inner life outwardly like in an outward fashion mm-hmm. so more than like even although there are actually physical depictions of the female body i think my involvement is much more with the like emotional content and memories that we all have. Yeah, well, your work is lovely. I, I enjoy it very much. Thank you. Um, this has been an interesting talk, and um, I know you've been working hard over the last few days, so I really appreciate your time. So I have one more question for you, and that is, what do you feel is your role as an artist? Um, you know, I think, um, I mean, I, I see my role as an artist to keep creating and to like like honor honor being an artist and to be dedicated to to making like making work making paintings or whatever kind of you know artwork or whatever sort of expression like be true to that i also see like i think there that that my role as an artist has changed so much over time. Like when I was younger, I felt like my role was to learn how to paint. And I, it was really important for me to kind of hone my natural skills. And everything was about technique and like being in a space of learning. And I guess after a certain amount of time when that that stops, then I felt like my job was to learn how to express myself or to to have a to be able to add content to the medium and you know these days i'm trying to communicate with people outside of myself so i feel like that role changes a lot um and i kind of i i want to leave it fluid like i don't want to commit to a particular stance and 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 feel like okay this is the sort of artist I have to be because having painted miniatures for so long I I kind of realized that it's so exciting to be able to just flow with your work and kind of go with where it takes you instead of trying to control it too much so yeah I, I do feel like it it's a role that that keeps shifting and which will probably i i hope keep shifting um with time yeah well thank you and i really appreciate your focus on the female thank you and components of mother nature i think it's a beautiful combination so thank you so much for your time and i encourage everybody to view your installation if they just happen to be in new york until when does it close may I think it's supposed to be up through May 1st, um, tentatively, yes. So the weather will be nicer, and those of us who live here can (laughs) stroll by. The tulips will be in bloom. Thank you so much for your time today. 
Thank you, Phyllis. Such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram. 